Chapter forty five of Dead Man's Shoes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Mason. Dead Men's Shoes by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter forty five. In the Surgery. That speech of Dr. Mitson's about Podmore awakens hope in Robert Faunthorpe's breast. If there has been murder done, if Stephen Trenchard has not been in some distracted hour his own destroyer, this man is surely more likely to have been the murderer than anyone else under that roof. He has had access to his master at all hours of the night, in those silent hours when the rest of the household has been locked in sleep. He may have stolen the plate, made away with the valuables committed to his charge, and may have been tempted to make away with his master in order to escape the punishment of his dishonesty. Or he may have known himself to be a legacy under his master's will, and may have done this foul deed to expedite fortune, so Dr. Fonthorpe reasons with himself during his dismal homeward walk. Marion and Jenny are sitting in the parlor at work when he goes in. The tea stray still adorns the table. "'How white and tired you look, uncle!' exclaims Marion. "'You'd like some tea, wouldn't you? "'I've saved the teapot.' "'Thank you, my dear. "'I'll take a cup of tea,' says the doctor faintly. "'He sinks into a chair with a weary sigh. "'His parish patients have been neglected today, "'and conscience pricks him. "'They will be coming presently, poor things, "'with their burns and scalds and boils "'and whitlows and festers "'and all that variety of thorns in the flesh "'to which poverty is subject, "'and he will have to brace his nerves "'and attend to them, "'but for the moment he feels prostrate. "'Marion shakes the teapot vigorously "'and pours out a liquid "'not very unlike that infusion of senna "'which the parish patients consume by the pailful.' There, Uncle, that'll do you good, but run to the kitchen, Jenny, and get the hot cake we save for Uncle Robert. And Jenny rushes off and returns swiftly with a crisp and greasy bannock, which the doctor is wont to enjoy above all other delicacies. Any news of Sybil? asks Marion. No, my dear, sighs the doctor. Strange, isn't it? exclaims Marion. Very strange, my dear. I began to feel very uneasy about your poor sister. Who could have induced her to take such a step, and at such a time, too? Just at the time when she ought to have been thinking about her mourning, says Marion. I hope she hasn't committed suicide, cries Jenny with a strangled sob. Jane, exclaims the doctor severely, I'm shocked at your suggesting anything so dreadful. Your sister is a Christian, I hope. Of course, but she might have been unhappy, poor thing. I dare say she detested that horrid Mr. Pilgrim, and Uncle Trenchard tried to force her into marrying him. And then perhaps she got frightened and miserable, and was driven to poison herself, concludes Jenny with a burst of sobs. The little doctor starts in his chair as if he had been shot, and puts down his cup and saucer with a trembling hand. How dare you say such things, Jane, he demands severely. He's very angry when he calls his youngest niece Jane. How dare you mention such a thing as poison in connection with your sister's name? Where should she get poison, I should like to know? How should she get it? If she wanted it very badly, she might get it in the surgery, whimpers Jenny. 
not without my knowledge i've forbidden everyone in this house to touch a single bottle in my surgery yes uncle falters jenny recalling the many half hours in which she has diverted herself with those very bottles but if sybil wanted anything very badly some laudanum for the toothache for instance and you happen to be out at the time she might not stand upon what's his name what is the girl driving at cries marion in a disgusted tone what do you mean jenny says dr faunthorpe nervously if there's anything in your knowledge that i ought to be told speak out and for god's sake speak only the truth to me and hold your tongue to all the rest of the world about it and you too marion this is more serious than either of you can imagine sybil had the toothache one afternoon when she was here about a fortnight or three weeks ago perhaps or she had been having the toothache very badly she said and couldn't get any sleep and she wanted some laudanum laudanum cries dr faunthorpe relieved is that all yes but laudanum's poison isn't it uncle robert if you take enough of it i told her where the laudanum was kept and she got up on the stepladder and took some in a little bottle out of one of your drawers but there was one thing that struck me as very mysterious what was that does laudanum ever smell of bitter almonds no child cries the doctor with a start well then this did ever so strong smell of it made me feel quite queer but sybil declared it was laudanum and that my smell must be all wrong but you would know opium surely a dark brown liquid yes but i didn't see this sybil had her back towards me when she was filling the little bottle i only smelt it when i asked her to show me the bottle she refused and called me stupid but i'm positive it smelt of bitter almonds and sybil looked quite pale and faint afterwards as if the smell had upset her can this be true cries the doctor profoundly agitated pray don't push yourself out of the way about it uncle exclaims marion soothingly sybil might have taken all the poisons in the surgery and no harm need come of it she's a great deal too fond of herself and her pretty looks to commit suicide i dare say she's with her grand friends at the how flirting with sir wilford cardinal and enjoying herself ever so but if she were at the how she would have heard of mr trenchard's death by this time well i don't know about that i must send to the how i must send to every place where there is a chance of finding her it is most vital that she should return without delay yes says marion she ought to see about her mourning and if she's to be uncle trenchard's chief heiress it certainly looks queer for her to be out of the way at such a time dr faunthorpe sighs and says no more the bell rings at this moment and he goes to his surgery to see a parish patient who has brought the latest variety in scalds for his inspection a whitlow drops in five minutes afterwards followed by an interesting case of enlarged glands wrapped in flannel after which comes a promising whooping cough and on the heels of that a very fair specimen of incipient measles these occupy dr faunthorpe till nine o'clock and he has but just dismissed the measles with a comforting dose of senna when a bell rings sharply not the surgery bell this time he's standing in the passage when it rings and he opens the door himself and admits a respectable-looking stranger of business-like aspect and middle age dr faunthorpe i believe yes i'm dr faunthorpe can i have a few words with you in your surgery a patient thinks the doctor as he ushers the visitor into his stuffy den heated like an oven by the gas and odorous with senna and peppermint i may as well come straight to business dr faunthorpe says the stranger directly the door is shut 
you were present at the post-mortem this afternoon and you know that mr trenchard has been poisoned with prussic acid my name is judbury and i belong to the crampston police force i am sent here by our chief to look into this business my duty is to find out where that prussic acid was bought now before i go to the chemist shops dr faunthorpe i want to know if it came out of your surgery as there is reason to suppose it did what reason can there be to suppose any such thing never you mind that you'll be summoned to appear at the inquest to-morrow and you'll be asked certain questions i dare say i want to see your bottle of dilute prussic acid suppose i tell you that i keep no such thing in my surgery then i shall have to look for myself i've got authority to search your surgery you'd better let me see the bottle it'll come to the same thing in the end very pale and with a sinking of his heart which he has never felt before in all his patient life robert faunthorpe drags the stepladder to the recess of the fireplace and mounts to look for the dark blue bottle mr judbury follows him to the steps and eyes him as a cat eyes a mouse during the operation poor dr faunthorpe's hand trembles a little as he takes down the fatal bottle and before he can examine it mr judbury's firm fingers have taken it from him how much acid do you suppose you had in the bottle sir asked judbury i really can't say to a nicety it's a drug i rarely use perhaps a matter of two ounces and there isn't an ounce here but i can't be positive explains the doctor profoundly agitated i tell you it's ever so long since i used any i can't be called upon to state the quantity it may have evaporated i understand but your impression is that you had two ounces the bottle doesn't look as if it had been disturbed lately the dust's pretty thick upon it says mr judbury taking it to the gas burner and examining it closely do you see this dr faunthorpe he asks pointing to the side of the dark blue bottle this is the impression of two sling fingers on the dust whitened glass two streaks of blue show where two fingers have grasped the bottle that's the mark of a hand sir says the detective decisively a woman's or a child's jenny my youngest niece may have tampered with the bottle stammers the doctor beside himself with fear and trouble she's been forbidden to touch anything but she's a tiresome child and may send for miss jenny sir now let us ask her all about it says mr judbury robert faunthorpe could have cut his tongue out for having uttered the girl's name jenny will come and under this horrible man's cross-questioning will say something to implicate sybil horrors are thickening round this miserable house is this the hour they have all hoped and waited for the hour which was to bring stephen trenchard's days to an end and be the beginning of his kindred's prosperity seeing the doctor hesitate mr judbury makes bold to ring the bell for himself it's answered by hester looking daggers she hates to be disturbed at her supper it may only be bread and cheese or the scrapings of some bone or pie dish or the greasy remnants of hashed mutton washed down with a mug of table beer but she likes to eat her meal in peace what is it sir she asks snappishly send miss jane here falters the doctor jane comes and is questioned about the blue bottle she fences with her questioner at first and looks as if the rack itself would not twist an admission of any kind out of her 
but if subjected to mr judbury's insidious process of interrogation she finally tells the whole story of sybil's coming into the surgery to get some laudanum and the mysterious smell of bitter almonds and the bottle which sybil filled and would not let her see thank you miss says judbury approvingly i think we must get you to appear before the coroner to-morrow jane exclaims the doctor when mr judbury had made his bow and departed you have put a rope around your sister's neck. End of chapter 45